NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. All right, guys, let's welcome back Burton C. Bell to the Talk To Me podcast here at NotFest.com. Burton, man, it's so great to see your face and uh, see you're doing well. I'm doing great. Great to see you, Josh. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely, man. I've been, I've been diving into this Paradise Found, uh, you know, the the photo uh, exhibition that you're putting on in uh, Fort Lauderdale, man. Um, kind of talk a little bit about your your history in photography before we dive too much into it. Yeah, well, um, I've been a photographer. I, I've been taking photographs my entire life, right? Uh, ever since um, 1977, 78, when I was uh, in elementary school, I was part of the first gifted and talented program in my school in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. And um, during, in that, it was uh, an after-school uh, program first. And so, like, three days out of the week, they take a handful of students after school and go into the art rooms. And, uh, you know, they taught us photography. They taught us painting, uh, sculpting, all sorts of hand type of, you know, clay, you know, pottery making um dance you know all sorts <laughs> right, of crazy right. stuff that they did in the 70s but uh, i really was drawn to photography first where they had a dark room available we were developing our own negatives oh wow um, developing our own photos with the emulsion and enlarging them with the with the enlarger and so i was hooked right then so i've always been taking photos my entire life and um first for co- when i went into college i went into college, art school on a scholarship and um, it was at the Corcoran School of Art in D.C. that I focused, you know, it was a foundational program, you know, for our school. To, but I uh, focused on um, creative writing and photography and uh, did that for about a year and a half until I dropped out and moved to L.A. <laughs> I've always been taking photos. I've had the same camera since 1982. It's a Canon A1, 35 oh, wow. millimeter film. So I've been... You know, I know my tool very well, <laughs> Snicker. Um, <laughs> right. um, so, I, yeah, it's something I've been using. And photos in this uh, opening are from using the same camera, the Canon A1. And, uh, you know, my experimentation with extended exposure is something I've been using, my ent- experimenting with my entire photography uh, um, experimentation. So, um this one, I started experimenting with full color film, taking photos at night in the fog. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was really, it was, a, you know, the, the, those two years I was doing it, there was some couple of really magical nights that everything just seemed to work. It was just uh, really crazy. You know, and the photographs that you see, not Photoshopped, not altered in apps. It's just like, that's exactly what I saw. You know, my secret weapon for me is the f- type of lens I have, which offers this really cinema, you know, almost cinema scope type of vibe, very cinematography uh, oriented and not quite fisheye, but not just normal set on the aspect ratio is just beautiful. And um, 
also the way it is, is the way the light just enters into the the through the mirror and the camera and the aperture is just so just made everything beautiful. It's just perfect. So what you see on these photos is exactly what I was seeing through my lens, and I just it was just magical. Yeah, looking into it, I guess it's um, abandoned industrial buildings from 2002, 2003 era. Is that what, is that what we're looking at? Mostly. It's, uh, the town is a, it's a very post-industrial town. Uh, you know, the, Mil- town Mil- the borough of Milton has experienced a lot of ups and downs through its history. Um, you know, it was a very it was a hub of, of industrialism in central Pennsylvania and Susquehanna Valley for many years. And, you know, as time goes away and uh, you know, disasters happen, people move away and just time has changed. So there's a lot of you know, structures that still stand that are not, you know, are abandoned or being torn down. There's also the, the town itself has a lot of just like beautiful imagery, just like the, the bridges and the, the, the small town itself, the, the cemetery, um, just the train tracks, this, just uh for me it was just all create this whole like you know landscape of just beauty and decay i like to call it it was just yeah. uh you know the way i see it at night was just beautiful um looks completely different during the day <laughs> right but at night you know it's just in the fog the fog just created this, this natural glow with the incandescent and the the uh the the radiant the lighting that was just coming out through the fall it was just this glow and just amazing it's funny that this is kind of the theme of the uh, the exhibit because you know my wife and i drove you know, a couple hours away the other day to illinois and we were going through old towns that I, i'm familiar with but not super familiar with but just seeing all the old abandoned warehouses and just just knowing at one point how vibrant these cities probably were before all of that industry left and it, it, there's so many pockets i guess around the country and probably around the world that you've seen that uh that you know probably one time thrived with all of the the industry and you know the the population around there was probably so excited to see you know these factories come into their towns and then when they leave they just leave these massive you know, structures of just overgrown, you know, uh, you know, vegetation everywhere and things like that. So, so a very cool concept uh, behind it because it's obviously something that, you know, I see daily. You see it daily. You see, she- I call them shells of imperialism. That uh, the, 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 these companies, these corporations just come in and they create, you know, massive quantities of product and, you know, they create jobs and, you know, they thrive for a long time. And it's like when things aren't working and, company goes out of business the everyone leaves but they leave the structure yeah and it's uh you know you see that with like walmart's all over the country but there's you know the old steel town you know steel corporation you know steel of foundries or ironworks or whatever they're just still around and Mm -hmm. they're they're very interesting if you ever for me i've always had the opportunity if i ever well if i ever had the opportunity i will go in and just check them out I mean, it's called trespassing, but it's yes. not hurting anybody. It's uh, <laughs> if you just go in and not making a scene, then you don't get caught. So I've been very fortunate to go in some of these places. Um, never had the ability to always take my camera on tour. I've taken it on cam- my camera on tour a couple times, but it's you know it's from 1982. It's a fragile piece of machinery, so I don't really take it. I've been using I use my phone a lot for photography on tour, but you know it's not the same with a phone camera. (laughs) 
Well, the um, I guess the other part of this is the, you know you you developed on aluminum with something called dye sublimation. So talk a little bit about that. So the dye sublimation process is a uh, relatively new process. It's used for really uh, it's mostly used for uh, production of materials like you know printing snowboards or printing on mm-hmm. you know signs or whatever, and um, it's. Printers are now starting to use it for photography, uh, personal photography or uh, photography shows. And um, for me, it just kind of worked. You know, it's it was almost serendipitous how the idea of using this dye sublimation on aluminum just came to be experimenting with different papers, archival papers, softer papers, harder papers, satin, pearl, Um all good papers, but f- they were they were not helping with what I wanted to achieve presenting it. Because for me, I wanted to have the blacks so deep that there was no glare. That's light pollution to me. And there's with the glare, that's just you don't see the detail. And with the dye sublimation, it's it's so deep, and the detail is just so well defined. And the fact that it's on film, there is zero pixelation whatsoever. It's just pure color, smooth, just all the way through smooth transitions of color through the fog, through the entire image. And it's just, for me, it just, when I saw my first test print uh, on dye sublimation with these photos, it just, it's like, there we have it. And ironically, it is kind of fit with, it helped me develop the narrative for this um, show, it's like, well, I'm, I'm taking pictures of a post-industrial uh, town, you know, the the of of what uh, you know, this town that once thrived through industrialism. To me, the dye sublimation process is industrial. You know, it's done through a chemical process of gases and liquids, and then then put onto aluminum, and it's pretty pretty permanent, and it's also quite durable. And um, it just worked out in so many beneficial ways for me. Um, the fact that with the with the aluminum, the fact that uh, I didn't need to really mount them. All I needed to put was a, a, bra- a wooden bracket on the back with a French cleat. That way you could hang on the wall without having a frame. Right. Um, and so if someone wanted to pick it up and buy it, it was like carefully just take it off the wall and just – just take it home. It, there was no need for a frame. There was no need for glass. Uh, it was very durable. So it just kind of benefited. It just worked out. It was just serendipity. That's all I got. This that's all worked out. I can't believe it. Really. I was looking up uh, Milton, Pennsylvania. Uh, the only other big thing in Milton was uh, Chef Boyardee is from Milton, Pennsylvania. Oh my Today. god! He's, yeah, <laughs> I learned that when I first got to that town. And I learned it because I was riding my riding a bike down the street, and I see the smokestack. I see the factory. I see the smokestack. I'm like, "Wait, is that Boyardi down the down the side of the smokestack?" <laughs> and I was like, rode close. I was like, "Holy crap, it is Boyardi!" And uh, bought my house in the same town. And it's funny that um, <laughs> I enjoyed that because during the summer, when the windows are open, if the wind was coming from the south, you have the smell of the Boyardi sauce coming right. Filling the entire house. I was like, God, I love raviolis. Uh, it's beefaroni day over there at the uh, factory, you know. 
Oh yeah, well it's called Conagra now. Conagra oh, bought it. Nice. But they st- the the locals who still work and live live there, work and live there, call it still call it chefs. Yeah. Yeah, the uh the where I work, the uh we're near a Tyson chicken factory and like you can tell like the day that they're making like country fried steak chicken or whatever it is, <laughs> you can just smell it in the air. You're like, "Oh, it must be a chicken fried chicken day or whatever it's called." <laughs> chicken fried steak man you get you some good stuff chicken fried chicken <laughs> chicken fried steak why don't you just call it fried steak well because it's got chicken batter on it you mean batter <laughs> right. I'm, from the, uh, I'm from texas so you know chicken fried steak is like something i grew up with <laughs> right i guess it's country fried steak is what i'm thinking of with the uh, good gravy on steak. it yeah texas get the, call uh, it chicken fried steak even though it should be country fried steak. Right. <laughs> I guess you've been all over, man. I, I didn't realize you you were from Texas, lived in DC for a while, then obviously LA and Pennsylvania and everything, man. You've you've been a, a traveler, a nomad. Oh yeah, pretty much been a nomad my entire life. Uh, growing up in Texas, even though born in Houston, I lived in like five different cities in Texas before we even lived. My family moved to uh, Northern Virginia. Due to uh, my uh, stepfather got transferred, so moved to Northern Virginia, which was you know 20 miles out of DC. Graduated high school there. I uh, went to, you know two years of high school, graduated high school, and then graduated. Got to went to school in DC. And lived there for a couple years. LA to Pennsylvania. Lived in Brooklyn for a little while. You know it's. Um, yeah, I've been around. <laughs> but, uh, it's, 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 I've been everywhere, man. It's for me. It just you know, it's made my life quite interesting. And uh, as a child growing up, moving a lot, it, you know, I had to learn how to be sociable and uh, you know how to how to make friends. Not how to make friends, but I was very sociable, and it was easy for me to move to different schools. I went to like three different elementary schools, you know, two different high schools. It was crazy. Yeah. I think I, I went to like four or five elementary schools through divorce and moving and stuff. So it, it finally calmed down once I hit uh, middle school and, and high school, but yeah, it's definitely uh, always being that new guy walking in and just being like, just that, that feeling in your chest, you know, of like having to meet new people and all that nonsense. All the eyes are upon you. It's like, who's that guy? New <laughs> You have the new guy sticker across. Right. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I'm going to hope I don't butcher this, Vincent Castiglia uh, the, and how you met him and his gallery Vincent and all Castiglia. that. Good stuff. Yeah, I met Vincent on tour in New York City, probably around 2011, you know, 2010, I want to say. Met him actually at a, a meet and greet after a Fear Factory concert at Irving Plaza. And um, we just kind of, we just kind of remain, just kind of connected really, really quickly. He was a very yeah. intelligent, very deep, very, um, I'm not saying this like in a bad way, but he's <laughs> not sensitive, but he's very empathetic. Okay. He, has, he feels much empathy for people. And he has, because he's an artist, he uh, has a very sensitive soul. And um, we just kind of, you know, connected it was one of those connections that you just can't explain we've just been uh communicating ever since when he, he moved to la for a time we hung out a couple times while he was here and then um he moved to florida during the pandemic 
of like, which was a strange time, but that's when he built his, started building his studio and built his studio inside a gallery, which is really cool. And he, uh, our friendship really started ramping up when he um, invited me to be the DJ at his grand opening. Oh, nice. So um, I'm a fan of his work. You know, it's, you know, I've seen a show of his at the Dark Art Emporium down in Long Beach a few years ago. And we hung out there and it was just really cool. You know, and we really hung out and discuss art and just discuss life. And he's really, really talented being in the, what he does is just, I think is just quite unique and just groundbreaking in so many levels, like painting with blood. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at your at your exhibit, will you have prints for sale? Or are you doing things like that? I mean, obviously, it's, it it does run for a while from March 11th through uh, May 23rd, so that's that's a nice little run you got going. I will have well, all the prints on the wall. The originals will be for sale, um, and each not all the prints, but some of the prints will have um, a limited series, an unlimited series. That will not be printed on uh, the die sublimation process because I don't want to take away from the original. Right. Um, But the series, the limited edition series, will be done on um, clay canvases. Okay. So, uh, and and then um, I'll have a book available as well that I created just for this show, and um, with all the the entire portfolio of the uh, show, so all twenty prints in it. And that will be available through my only through my website. Okay. How often are you going to be down there? I know you're going to be down there for the opening. Are you going to plan on going a couple of times, or what are you what are you planning on doing? Oh uh, yeah, I'll be going. I'm going on Tuesday to set up the show. Uh, then I'll be there through Monday, and uh, so I'll be there for the show and in, in attendance. And then I'll be uh, probably going for the closing. I'm trying to plan something. Really special for the closing, so we'll see if I can make that happen. But uh, either way, I'll be there for the closing. Nice. Uh, let's dive into co- little, uh, some other stuff, man. What's going on with you musically? Anything going on? I mean, everything's been. Get- you, you're you're not very uh, you're not very active on social media, so you're kind of you're kind of a, a, a you know a, a, an enigma, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep it that way. Keep it guessing. You know, right. it's, uh, social uh, social media is a uh, necessary evil yes. for a music, for an artist in general, musician, artist, whatever you are. And, uh, I'm, I do music constantly. Um, I, I just did a re I've been doing remixes. Uh, I did a, just did a remix for pig for, uh, you know, for an upcoming release. Uh, I just actually did vocals for a song two days ago for, um, I don't know if I'm going to ruin it, but, uh, Fuck it. I did a, a label called Cleopatra okay, yeah. contacted me. Um, the, the actual owner of the label texted me one day about three weeks ago asking, Hey, uh, can you sing in German? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> so, um, I'm a, now I'm, I was invited to be part of a, uh, Ramstein tribute record. Oh, nice. So, uh, but this, you know, this, I just did, a. Mark Thwaite on guitar and uh, Paul Ferguson on drums. Who Paul Ferguson is the of the uh, legendary Killing Joke. Oh, nice. Mark Thwaite's from uh, 
he was in Gary Newman's band. He was in Tricky's band. He was in the mission. So, and uh, he's performed with, uh, Paul Raven. They were, they did the, uh, what was that band called? It was, uh, Oh my God. It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, think about it. But he and Paul, there's Raven. actually a picture of me and Paul Raven right there. <laughs> uh, when he, when he was in prong, but, uh, I'm a, I was a little bitty kid there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it was Paul Raven that brought brought uh, Mark and I together initially. Nice. It was God, now it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh well, I'll think of it later. <laughs> yeah, getting old sucks. <laughs> yes, it does, man. Yes, it does. Um, well, I, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm working on some new music with I'm working with some uh, musicians and producers. Have a you know a great plan coming up, you know, but uh, I don't really like to push those things on the social media because you know nothing's set in stone yet. So when I have like definite plans and something definitely happening, that's when I push stuff. Yeah, there's nothing but worse there's than a lot the uh, of things working. So I'm very happy. I've been quite been quite busy. Yeah, there's nothing worse than the you know band saying big things coming soon <laughs> and then nothing comes, you know. Yeah, so and that's what you know, social media, you put it on the internet, people, you know, you put something coming soon and it's not soon enough for anybody. So for me, I've always felt that the less I put out there, um, the more people are more curious or want to question. Yeah. I know it might be kind of counterproductive, but it's uh you know, it's like the the less you have, the more people want. It's like the the idea of supply and demand. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I have to ask you, man. Um, have you have you been paying attention to any of the new Fear Factory stuff? Is it? I guess the question to you and well, I'll, is, I'll, is there new Fear Factory stuff? Well, there's there's some things going on, man. Um, I, I guess just how strange is it for you that a version of Fear Factory under the name Fear Factory is going out without you on vocals for the first time? I don't. Doesn't affect me at all. Um, to be honest, I, I haven't, I haven't been this happy in a long time right. and, uh, you know, more power to them, but, uh, I'm just moving forward in my own life, my own career and I'm trying to make a name for myself. And have you, uh, have you checked any of the videos out yet? No, I don't, I don't care to. No, no, I'll tell you, I, I have to ask, I would, the comment section would go crazy if, uh, why didn't you ask him about, you know, well, so you understand, um, yeah, you know, fear factors, you know, that's, that's what I'm known for. And it's yeah. a very, you know, the 30 years I had with fear factory, you know, some of the proudest moments of my career and, uh, everything I've ever done in fear factory, you know, I'm very proud of, uh, you know, even some of the questionable things I've done in Fear Factor, I'm still very proud of. <laughs> you know, it's it was a great legacy. Yeah, yeah, and you know that voice, man, is a is a is a masterful voice you've got there. So I can't wait to hear what you got going on the the other stuff too. Well, you know, the voice is still there. Yeah, and uh, I'm I just used it on this uh, <laughs> song I did. I I don't want to. I don't know if it's a seeker or not, but I, I did uh, do Host. Oh wow. So learning German was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of those things where they ask you if you can speak in German and you go, yeah. And then like 10 minutes later, you're like, well, I guess I gotta figure this out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't difficult. I had a German friend dictate to me the the actual words so I can hear the proper pronunciation and uh uh and the meter, how it all went, and it made sense. I was like, oh yeah. I, just got to be a parrot in some ways and just say, do it right. 
Awesome, man. Well, I, made, I made it my own. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to that, man. Uh, did Did you ever Did you ever tour with those guys or anything like that? Any 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 Never crossing toured. paths? Yes, we did cross paths once. Nineteen ninety nine, maybe two thousand. It was on the Digi Mortal tour, and uh, we did a festival with them in New Hampshire, outdoor festival for them in New Hampshire, and they played last. And it wasn't a huge festival. Um, it was. You know, c- compared to what their production is now, the production for this show is maybe one percent of what they have now. <laughs> so it's very small. But we shared like a, we shared a dressing room with them, and uh, man, it was a great time. It was, you know, our show was done, and they're in the they're in the dressing room, and they're doing drinking champagne, doing tequila shots. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't remember which one of it. I think it was the keyboard player who said to me, "After show, we make party." <laughs> yes, they like, do. Yes, we make party after show. <laughs> yeah, the the first time I saw those guys was uh Family Values tour with like Corn, Limbiscuit, Ice Cube, and Orgy or whatever. What ninety seven ish? I didn't really know anything about them, and we walked in as they were on stage, and I looked up, and you know they got the dildo out and everything, you know, just everything, everything that Rammstein does. But then I remember after they played, they were watching Corn, and they were all in suits. They like were all like so dapper. I was like, I was like, yeah, that's that's a yin and yang right there for those guys. That's that's that. You know, they're old. They're proper German gentlemen. <laughs> and, uh, they all like right. to be wear proper attire. They're uh, they were super cool. And uh, gotta say that you know, doing molds of each of their own um, <laughs> penises <laughs> to sell as merch at the merch booth is. I gotta say, it's just fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> Will there be molds of your penis at the Paradise Found exhibit? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> but I'll have, you know, I'll have uh, some Essential Watchers vinyl, the Iconoclast EP that I created that was being produced, that was making at the same time that these photos were being taken. So I'll be selling that. So they all kind of, it all comes kind of, together so i'll be selling that and i'll be selling you know some some watcher shirts that i've have still left over and uh you know uh as well as the book and the uh probably an eight by ten of me live but we'll see there'll be various things for sale and people and you said people can order the book through your website yeah but not until march 11th okay so but you can look at it right now on my website There'll be uh, there's a gallery of all the photos with uh, there's a watermark of my signature across it, of course. But there's a, a link to view the book with all the uh, details and uh, everything I wrote in it, and it's kind of cool. So that won't be available for sale until the opening day. All right. Well, Burton, man, good luck with the uh, exhibit. Hopefully everybody comes out. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area or anywhere nearby, man, make make that trip down and, uh, and go see Burton's, uh, go see Burton's work and uh, support. Yeah, thank doing. you very much. I'm very excited. This is a really a dream. This, this opportunity that Vincent has offered me is a dream come true as a, just a photographer, as an artist and just a human being to show uh, a different side of myself a different side of my talents that you know I've been working on for years, and it's uh, now is the time. It's great. All right, man. All right, Bert. Well, uh, once again, a uh, huge thank you to Bird and C. Bell for coming on the Talk to Me podcast here, notfest.com. Thanks, Bird. Thank you, Josh.
the Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast. <laughs>